Chapter Fourteen of Bindle by Herbert Jenkins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Fourteen. Mr. Hearty gives a party. One. I'm surprised at Hearty," remarked Bindle to Millie one Friday evening as they walked across Putney Bridge on the way to meet Charlie Dixon. Fancy him giving a party. It'll be all hymns and misery with some oranges thrown in to give it the right smell. There won't be no kissin' the ring and postman's knock for the likes o' you and me, Millikins. Millie blushed. She had no illusions as to the nature of the festivity. She knew who were to be invited. I'm glad you're coming, Uncle Joe, she cried, dancing along beside him. It would be hateful without you. Well, of course, I am a bit of an attraction, replied Bindle lord how the ladies fight for me in the kissin games it was rarely that mr hearty unbent to the extent of entertaining he was usually content with the mild pleasures that the chapel provided in the shape of teas the annual bazaar and occasional lantern lectures bearing such titles as jerusalem revisited the bible in the east a christian abroad delivered by enthusiastic but prosy amateurs and illustrated by hired lantern slides one day, however, Mr. Hearty came to the determination that it was quite compatible with his beliefs to give a party. Not one of the stupid gatherings where the gramophone vied with round games and round games with music-hall songs, but one where the spirit of revelry would be chastened by Christian sobriety. Mr. Hearty did not object to music as music, and there were certain songs such as The Village Blacksmith and the chorister that in his opinion were calculated to exercise a beneficial effect upon those who heard them when mr hearty had at length come to his momentous decision he was faced with the problem of the bindles he felt that as a fellow-chapel-goer he could not very well omit mrs bindle from the list of the invited but bindle would be impossible where mr sopley the pastor of the chapel was to be an honoured guest one evening at supper he had as he thought with consummate tact broached the matter to his family not have joe wheezed mrs hearty not ask uncle joe Millie had exclaimed in a tone that her father thought scarcely filial he is not interested in parties mr hearty had explained feebly we can't leave joe out panted mrs hearty with a decisiveness unusual to her why he'll be the life and soul of the evening this was exactly what mr hearty feared but seeing that his women-folk were united against him and after a further feeble protest he conceded the point and the bindles received their invitation mr hearty had however taken the precaution of dropping a hint to mrs bindle the hint in actual words being i hope that if joseph comes he he won't i'll see that he doesn't was mrs bindle's reply uttered with a snap of the jaws that had seemed to reassure her brother-in-law mrs bindle was engaged in removing curl-papers from her front hair on the bed lay her best dress of black alpaca with a bright green satin yoke covered with black lace beside it lay her best bonnet also of black an affair of very narrow gauge and built high up at the back having the appearance of being several sizes too small for its wearer mrs bindle was dressing with great care and deliberation for mr hearty's party her conception of dress embodied the middle-class ideals of mid-victorian neatness blended with a standard of modesty and correctness peculiarly her own 
it had cost mrs bindle many anxious days of thought before she had been able to justify to herself the green satin yoke in her best dress with her to be fashionable was to be fast a short skirt and a pneumonia blouse were in her eyes the contrivances of the devil to show what no modest woman would think of exhibiting to the public gaze as she proceeded with her toilette mrs bindle was thinking of the shamelessness of women who bared their arms and shoulders to every man's gaze on principle she disapproved of parties and festivities of any description that were not more or less concerned with the chapel but to her mr hearty could do no wrong and the fact that her pastor was to be present removed from her mind any scruples that she might otherwise have felt she was slowly brushing her thin sandy hair when bindle entered the bedroom in full evening dress the large imitation diamond stud in the centre of his shirt patent boots a red silk handkerchief stuck in the opening of his waistcoat the light coat over his arm and an opera hat stuck at a rakish angle on his head between his lips was a cigar one of the last remaining from the oxford adventure mrs bindle knew nothing of that and consequently was unaware that bindle's wardrobe had been considerably enlarged mrs bindle caught sight of him in the looking-glass for a moment she stared at the reflection in helpless amazement then turning round with startling suddenness she continued to regard him with such fixity as he stood complacently smoking his cigar that bindle could not resist replying with the broadest of grins where'd you get that dress suit she asked at length in the tone a policeman might adopt to a navvy found wearing a diamond tiara it's me own o course replied bindle cheerily your own gasped mrs bindle o course it is your old man's a bit of a blood mrs b and you're a lucky woman won't old Artie open them merry eyes of his when he sees me to-night what oh and bindle executed a few impromptu steps holding his overcoat at arm's length mrs bindle continued to regard him with wonder she glanced at her own rather shabby black dress lying on the bed and then her eyes returned to bindle she examined with grim intentness his well-cut clothes where'd you get them from she rapped don't you worry where your peacock got his tail you just feel proud replied bindle seating himself on the only chair the bedroom boasted your old man is going to be the belle of the ball to-night you been buying them things and me doing my own housework and keeping you and you're out of work mrs bindle's voice rose as the full sense of the injustice of it all began to dawn upon her you spendin money on dress suits and beer and me inchin and pinchin to keep you in food it's a shame i won't stand it i won't mrs bindle looked about her helplessly i'll leave you i will you you oh no yer won't remarked bindle complacently women like you don't leave men like me that's what matrimony's for to keep two people together what ought to be kept apart by act o parliament where'd you get that dress suit broke in mrs bindle tenaciously as i was sayin', continued bindle imperturbably matrimony's a funny thing where'd you get that dress suit mrs bindle broke in again bindle sighed and cast up his eyes in mock appeal i ad it give to me so i might be worthy o what the lord has sent me and won't ave back at no price that is to say yourself mrs b if marriages is really made in eaven then there ought to be a returned with thanks department that's my view the happy smile with which bindle accompanied the remark robbed it of its sting for some time mrs bindle continued her toilette in silence and bindle puffed contentedly at his cigar mrs bindle was the first to speak 
i hope you'll be careful what you say to-night she had just put on her bonnet and with many strange grimaces had at last adjusted it and the veil to her satisfaction as she spoke she began to draw on a pair of tight brown kid gloves which so contracted her palms as to render her hands practically useless our minister is to be there she continued and i don't want to feel ashamed you ain't a-goin to feel ashamed of this are yer inquired bindle as he rose and looked down at himself with obvious appreciation there ain't a-goin to be nothin tastier at arty's to-night than yours truly as mrs bindle turned towards the door bindle lifted his hat with elaborate courtesy and offered her his left arm with a sniff of disdain mrs bindle passed out of the room i'll find out where you got it see if i don't she called out over her shoulder well well muttered bindle as he leisurely followed her i never was able to lose anything i wanted to nor keep anything i didn't want to lose ow a cove can commit bigamy does me fancy too mrs b's old meoris the bindle's progress from fenton street to the hearty's private door was something of a triumph for mrs bindle the neighbours turned out in force and bindle exchanged pleasantries with them whilst mrs bindle smiled in what was to her an entirely prodigal manner funny thing me wearin a top at bindle had remarked as he lifted it for about the twentieth time this time to a policeman who stared hard at him bindle was in a mood to be extremely pleasant with everybody and he raised his hat impartially to those he knew and those he did not know the bindles were late the invitation had been for seven o'clock and it was fully half-past seven when they arrived they were admitted by the maid-of-all-work resplendent in a befrilled cap and apron bindle winked at her the girl giggled and mrs bindle glared when mr and mrs bindle were announced a hush fell upon the fifteen or twenty guests who sat in rigid attitudes round the hearty's drawing-room conversation had been carried on in constrained and self-conscious undertones Millie, looking very pretty in a simple white frock with an orange sash, ran across to meet the newcomers, kissing her uncle heartily and Mrs. Bindle dutifully. My, said Bindle, ain't we pretty to-night? You and me'll go off with the biscuit, Millikins. Then he added, after surveying the circle of vacant faces, looks to me as if they want a bit of ginger. Hello, Arty, said Bindle, advancing towards his brother-in-law. Sorry we're late, but the coachman was drunk mr hearty shuddered as he led the bindles round the room introducing them with great elaboration to each and every guest he marvelled at bindle's clothes he himself wore a black frock coat very shiny at the edges with trousers that seemed far too long and hung in folds over his boots hello martha bindle cried regarding mrs hearty whose ample person was clothed in a black skirt and a pale yellow bodice the neck of which was cut in a puritan v you looks like a little canary bird then bending down and regarding her earnestly yes i'm blowed why there's two chins what i ain't seen before whereat mrs hearty collapsed into ripples and wheezes bindle was the only self-possessed person in the room he regarded his fellow guests with keen interest noted the odour of camphor and mustiness and the obvious creases in the men's coats smells like a pawn shop he muttered then he came to the reverend mr sopley a gaunt elderly man with ragged beard that covered his entire face save the cheeks which like two little hillocks of flesh peeped out from a riot of whiskered undergrowth how are you sir asked bindle mr sopley raised a pair of agonized eyes 
before he had time to reply mr hearty had dragged bindle on to the next guest who's he inquired bindle in a hoarse whisper easily heard by everyone in the room he seems to have sort of let his face grow wild mr hearty who had completed the introductions coughed loudly won't you have an orange joseph he inquired bindle came to a dead stop have a what he asked with great emphasis have a what an an orange or or perhaps you'd rather have an apple mr hearty was painfully nervous now look here hearty said bindle taking his brother-in-law by the lapel of his coat do i look like oranges me what hasn't got a bib wi me mr hearty looked about him everybody seemed to be looking at bindle with marked disapproval bindle on the other hand gazed about him with manifest appreciation mrs hearty's drawing-room was in its gala attire from the gasolier in the centre chains of coloured paper were festooned to the corners of the room two large bunches of artificial flowers had been carefully dusted and renovated and placed in ornaments on the mantelpiece at each corner of which stood a rather insignificant-looking lustre containing a large pink candle in the fireplace were white shavings through which ran threads of gold tinsel on a mahogany sideboard was the first aid equipment the preliminary to the more elaborate refreshments to be served in the dining-room there were oranges and apples cut into halves a pineapple uncut which it was mr hearty's intention never should be cut a large plate of bananas another of almonds and raisins several plates of sweets which seemed anxious to challenge their hardness against the teeth of those courageous enough to attack them three different kinds of nuts some siphons and two large jugs of home-made lemonade there were also plates of figs and oval boxes of dates looking ashamed of their own stickiness and two high piles of blue and white plates as bindle surveyed the refreshments he gave vent to an involuntary sigh there are times he muttered when i wishes i was the brother-in-law of a bloomin drunkard mr hearty was anxious he moved from one guest to another to some merely baring his teeth to others uttering a few meaningless phrases mrs hearty sat still breathing heavily her favourite topic of conversation was her breath vast quantities of which were expended in explaining how little of it she possessed milly flitted about like a disappointed butterfly finding no place where she might rest and fold her wings at the suggestion of mr hearty two maiden ladies essayed a pianoforte duet but with marked unsuccess they seemed unable to get off together after several unsuccessful attempts bindle walked over to the piano look here he remarked i'll be starter when i say three off your go like giddy-o without a word the duettists rose from the piano and returned to their seats their heads held high bindle looked at them in wonderment a silence had fallen over the whole room mr sopley looked at the culprit with an agonized expression or as bindle afterwards expressed it like a calf what's lost his mother and found a nanny goat and wonders what he'll do at tea-time after a whispered conversation between milly and mr hearty they both bore down upon mr flinders a small man seated next to a very large wife and began an animated conversation with him in undertones mr hearty was genial milly pleading and mr flinders protesting and shrinking mrs flinders eventually terminated the discussion by giving his arm an upward push accompanied by a whispered yes george do whereat george did he walked towards the piano looking back at his wife and protesting all the while bindle started clapping loudly which still further embarrassed the victim 
after much preparation and searching for music millie played the opening chords of queen of the earth peering anxiously forward at the music praying that she should make no mistake mr flinders was an excellent grocer but a bad singer his voice was weak and erratic each time he reached the chorus in which everybody joined in various keys bindle in no key at all it was as if a drowning man were making a last despairing effort to reach the shore at the conclusion of the song things seemed to sink back again into the slough from which mr flinders had valiantly rescued them unconsciously mr hearty was defeating his object and infecting his guests with his own nervousness every time he moved across the room he was followed by the eyes of the whole assembly it seemed that only one thing was capable of happening at a time when millie brought in her persian kitten tibbins everyone became absorbed in it those who were not near enough to stroke and caress it turned to each other almost eagerly and said how pretty it was and what a beautiful tail it had when tibbins showed with voice and claw that it had exhausted any capacity for interest that the company may have possessed for it and had been let out another terrible silence fell upon the room in desperation mr hearty seized a plate of figs and another of half oranges and handed them round to everyone in turn again interest centred in him those who had refused watched with the keenest interest those who were about to refuse and mr hearty returned the plates to the sideboard without having disembarrassed them of a single fig or half orange in desperation he took a fig himself and began to eat it suddenly he became conscious that all eyes were upon him watching each bite and every movement of the curiously large adam's apple in his throat which always jumped about so when he ate nervously he picked up a plate and placed the remains of the fig upon it wishing he had not taken it suddenly he had an inspiration we must have a game he said with ponderous geniality putting down the plate containing the half-eaten fig we'll play here we go looping looping with unaccustomed energy and much labour and persuasion he marshalled all his guests in a ring all save mrs hearty and mr sopley after much persuasion arrangement and explanation the ring was got into joyless motions the guests droning here we go looping looping here we go looping light here we go looping 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 all the night put your noses in put your noses out shake them a little a little a little and then turn round about when they had shaken a little a little a little such portions of their anatomy as mr hearty thought it quite proper to mention the game ended with the same mirthlessness with which it had begun and the players resumed their seats with an air that seemed to say we are our host's guests and must do as he bids us they none of em seems to know what to do with their hands whispered bindle to millie they're a rummy crowd artie must have had a rare job to pick up such a little lot an awkward silence fell over the room have you ever played kiss in the ring or postman's knock sir inquired bindle of mr sopley at a moment when all attempts at conversation seemed to have languished mr sopley raised his eyes and mr hearty moved swiftly to his assistance at that moment the door opened and a fair-haired young man wearing a turned-down collar and white tie of nonconformity entered for a moment mr hearty hesitated between his desire to save mr sopley and his duties as host then with sudden decision threw his pastor overboard and turned to welcome the new arrival at the alton road chapel a week's mission had been held by a young missionary whose remarkable preaching had been the sensation of the hour 
Mr. Hearty had summoned up sufficient courage to invite him to the party, and the Reverend Edward Winch had accepted with a cordiality which still further increased Mr. Hearty's embarrassment. When the ceremony of introduction and greeting was over, Mr. Winch seated himself between Mr. Sopley and Bindle, who had been much interested to hear that the new arrival was a missionary. "'Do you live in the jungle, sir?' inquired Bindle of Mr. Winch. "'Well, I live in the interior, miles away from any other white men,' replied Mr. Winch. "'Why do you ask?' Bindle was thoughtful for a moment. "'Did you happen to take a double bed with you, sir?' inquired Bindle. "'A double bed?' Mr. Winch looked surprised. "'Why, no!' Mr. Hardy coughed. Mr. Sopley lifted his eyes to the ceiling as if seeking explanation from heaven. Mrs. Hearty wheezed, and Mrs. Bindle's lips entirely disappeared. Bindle looked round at the embarrassed faces. "'I only knew one missionary,' he remarked, "'and he wanted to take a double bed into the jungle. Seemed a bit funny-like.' "'You must have some lemonade,' interrupted Mr. Hearty, with forced geniality. Mr. Winch smilingly declined. Then, turning to Bindle, he said, "'No, I have a camp bedstead which does not err on the side of luxury or comfort.' Mr. Bindle liked this young man with the blue eyes and ready laugh. After watching him for some time, he remarked, "'You seem sort of happy, sir, if I may say so.' "'I am,' replied Mr. Winch with a smile. "'Funny,' murmured Bindle, half to himself. "'And you a parson, leastwise a missionary.' "'But what has that got to do with it?' Mr. Winch looked at Bindle in surprise. Bindle cast his eyes round the room. "'They don't look what you'd call a jolly crowd, do they?' look at old woe and whiskers bindle's glance left no doubt in mr winch's mind as to whom he referred the missionary bit his lip to hide a smile mr sopley has had a lot of trouble he said quietly it seems to have gone to his face was bindle's comment he might be a bigamist from the look of him mr winch laughed aloud why he asked you married inquired bindle no you'll know when you are was the laconic reply the arrival of Mr. Winch seemed to transform the whole assembly. He and Bindle quickly became the leaders of the revels. Faces that had hitherto been shrouded in gloom broke into slow and hesitant smiles. Several of the men laughed, arguing that if so devout a man as Mr. Winch could find it in him to laugh, as he very frequently did, then surely they, being merely laymen, might allow themselves the same privilege. It was Mr. Winch who proposed Blind Man's Buff, and it was Bindle who, when blindfolded, caught Mr. Sopley, who was not playing, and after feeling all over his bewhiskered face, guessed him as Millie. And it was Mr. Winch who laughed so loudly that the others joined in. Later, at Mr. Winch's suggestion, Bindle led a game of Follow My Leader, in which Mr. Sopley had been persuaded to join, and only Mrs. Hearty remained sitting out. Bindle's imagination ran riot, and he led his unwilling tail into many grotesque pranks. He crawled about on all fours, barked like a dog, mewed like a cat, jumped and howled, laughed and sang. In everything he was faithfully followed by Mr. Winch, who seemed to enjoy himself with a thoroughness that astonished his fellow guests. The riot culminated in Bindle kissing Millie, who was next to him. Mr. Winch, who was third in the living tale, left no doubt in Millie's mind that she was intended to pass on the compliment. Bindle watched with keen enjoyment the embarrassment of his victims, in particular that of Mrs. Bindle, who was next to Mr. Sopley, as she looked up inquiringly at the pastor, who bent his head towards her with a weary smile. "'Look at my missus a-burrowin' in all them whiskers,' whispered Bindle to Mr. Winch. 
other games followed and even mr hearty's face lost that anxious haunted look that it had worn during the earlier part of the evening when millie bindle and mr winch handed round the refreshments everybody took something and mr hearty beamed he became quite conversational his party was a success his heart warmed towards mr winch and bindle and he cut the pineapple at supper tongues became loosed and everyone found that there was more joy in the world than he or she had thought possible mr sopley's grace had cast a momentary gloom over the table but this quickly passed away after the meal mr winch said a few words and told of some native customs at similar gatherings keeping his hearers in a constant titter it was he who suggested that bindle whom he described as our merry master of the ceremonies should propose a vote of thanks to their host as bindle rose with obvious satisfaction mr hearty caught mrs bindle's eye and each knew what were the other's thoughts ladies and gentlemen began bindle with all the assurance of an inveterate after-dinner speaker i seen some funny things in me time including a stuffed kangaroo and a temperance meeting where they was as drunk as dooks but i never yet see a missionary as could laugh and enjoy hisself as mr winch can there were looks of consternation on the faces of some of the guests which mr winch's hearty laugh quickly caused to vanish i almost wish i was one of them funny beggars what wear only a smile a weekdays and add a beard for sundays mr hearty coughed and mr sopley gazed up at the ceiling mrs bindle had shown no sign of lips since bindle had risen i never liked missionaries till to-night though me and mrs bindle have slept in a missionary's bed for five year or more it never made no difference to me though if i wasn't in the furniture movin business i think i'd be a missionary but i'm up on my hind legs to propose the elth of arty alfred arty who's a credit to the vegetables e sells for more'n they're worth e's a bit solemn like at times but e's got as good a art as his own cabbages i known arty since he was a young man and me and him was arter the same gal once she's sittin over there bindle indicated mrs bindle with a jerk of his thumb mrs bindle and mr hearty grew very red and mrs hearty wheezed painfully i won though hearty warn't nippy enough he could sing ims and i couldn't but yer don't get round gals with ims leastways not young gals so hearty lost one gal and got another one of the best bindle pointed to mrs hearty we've all had a pleasant evening thanks to mr winch and arty's lemonade and if some of us gets a jar by going to the wrong place when we turns up our toes i don't mind bettin a quid it won't be mr winch he may be a missionary but he's one of the boys with that bindle sat down for a moment there was a hush of consternation but mr winch came to the rescue with a uh, thank you mr bindle i hope you're right after that everyone applauded and auld lang syne was sung and the company dispersed conscious that they had enjoyed themselves as they had never thought it possible they were aware of a feeling that seemed to be perilously near the mammon of unrighteousness but they argued that no blame could attach itself to the flock for doing what the shepherd acquiesced in mr hearty was astonished at the cordiality of the good knights extended to bindle but when mr sopley said that he hoped to see him at the chapel bazaar to be held a fortnight hence he was amazed he was even more astonished when he heard himself saying as he shook bindle warmly by the hand thank you joseph for for and then he lapsed into silence wondering what it really was for which he was thankful that night mrs bindle had much food for thought 
she had heard mr sopley's invitation end of chapter fourteen read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com